You're listening to the Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus, and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schramm. Welcome to the show. Well, hello and welcome in to another episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast. Been a couple weeks since I've been with you. Been a busy time at work, so I really appreciate your uh, patience with me, allowing me to work through some things and uh, get things done. And it's a blessing, man. I, I love it. I love being able to do work as unto the Lord. And I more and more see my work as being part of my ministry in the world. And I certainly appreciate God's faithfulness to us through that. And um, I'm so undeserving. I really, really am so undeserving of that. I'm also undeserving of, of you all. Uh, listeners to this podcast, I had one of you to reach out even just this week, asking me some questions about things, and I'm always pleased and happy to answer those sorts of questions. Uh, you can just always email me, steve at steveshram.com. might take me a little time to get back to you, but uh, I really do try to answer as, as soon as I possibly can. And uh, it was good. We talked about the fall and uh, the you know the introduction of the second law of thermodynamics. Was that something instituted by the fall or not? I actually argue that it's not, and uh, I think there's really good evidence to to think that. And that actually transitions well into what we want to talk about today, which is in fact the fall, specifically continuing in our series of Kurt Wise's Faith, Form, and Time talking about the fall and genetic mutations. Now, after this episode, we've only got three episodes left in this particular series, so it's been fun. It's been good. This is definitely one of my very favorite books in the realm of creationism, and though it is a little outdated, it is still a good book, and one I think that is worth reading if you have it, just because of how well Dr. Wise is able to explain concepts, and I mean, he does a much better job than me, so if this particular series is actually helping you at all, then you would be helped doubly so, I'm sure, by actually uh, finding a copy of the book, Faith, Form, and Time, and reading through it. So what we want to talk about today, again, straight out of the book, we're not doing anything super fancy schmancy here. We're not uh, even gathering information across multiple sources or anything. We're really just going to look about what Dr. Wise talks about specifically in the book. And I, I, what it should do is, is is help give a little bit clearer of an understanding of what kind of effects the fall actually had on the organisms and life on Earth. So when the when the fall took place, one thing that seems to clearly have happened is we had this introduction into an otherwise um, fully functioning, operating as intended system of genetic mutation. Okay, and mutation, as Doctor Wise defines it for us, is an error made when cells copy DNA, usually the loss, insertion, or change of a nucleotide in a DNA molecule. Now, in bioevolutionary theory, such mutation is thought to have been a part of life from its very, very beginning, again, more than four billion years ago, okay? From the very beginning and inception of life, this mutation, this degradation, this loss has been a, a part of the, the story of life on Earth. It's actually thought to be the major source of genetic change needed for organisms in order to evolve their way through this so-called tree of life. Now, in creation theory, though, specifically young age creation theory, mutation is thought to have only begun after the fall, okay? Again, around 6,000 years ago. Not a not something that was present from the very, very beginning of creation. And you might say, well, why is this important, right? Either way, we're talking about the beginning of creation. Yes, absolutely so. But in evolutionary theory, 
the mutation is actually part of, of, of the design. Of course, it's hard to say the word design unless you're positing a creator, right? But it's actually part of the system from the very beginning, whereas that was not God's intention, right? God's intention was, uh, I hesitate to use the word perfect, but it was an optimal world. It was the it was the world in which things were functioning according to how God intended them to, to function. It is, to use the biblical terminology correctly, it is a, a good world, in fact, a very good world. It's the world that God wanted. And we're forced to ask, is this, is this mutation? Is this this change or this this loss that happens was it built into the very fabric of creation and it would seem as though the answer is no okay this gradual degeneration that has begun is, is something that would have been instituted at the fall and in fact dr wise makes the comment that this mutation is probably responsible for very much of the disease found all throughout the world because Again, most mutations that have been found, and if you've been listening to Creatius materials for any uh, amount of time, you've heard something to this effect. Most mutations are are harmful. Okay, very few have have, have been shown to have a net positive effect on the organisms, and and many more than that have been shown to have neither positive or negative effects. So they're basically either even keel, no positive or negative effect, or they're negative. Very rare that you would have something that's actually beneficial to the organism. And another great book from a non-young age creationist perspective on this is Darwin Devolves. We've talked about it before. I've interviewed the author, Michael Behe, and his work in this area is, is truly fantastic. And, and it's just the case that mutations really seem to be more degenerative than they are constructive. This is something that young age theory would actually seem to suggest and is not really an expectation that you would have on evolution theory. And just to state it, this is a little bit of an oversimplification, but, but to, state, to state it sim simply with evolution, things are supposedly and supposed to be getting better and better over time. Whereas what we actually find is things degrading, getting worse and worse over time, being more and more isolated, being more and more negatively um, affected, less and less ability to survive in in the environment. And and of course, natural selection wipes things out. Okay. So it's, it's, it's very odd that we look at a world that is becoming so disease-ridden and genetically destroyed over time, and yet, you know, in, in the background of the sciences is this is this overwhelming notion of evolution, things getting better and better over time. That's not really the reality of what seems to be happening. Okay, Doctor Wise talks through just a, a few basic concepts that are sort of tangential to this. One is overproduction. If you look at the biblical account, we obviously have a directive from, from God that organisms are supposed to fill the earth, and once this was fulfilled, this, you know, dictum was fulfilled, it seems that the generation of young would probably cease, right? So whenever God fashioned the organisms of the world, they had ef efficient reproductive mechanisms and only as many offspring as needed would have been created. This seems to be a reasonable assumption, but with the introduction of, of the fall, disease and death would, would probably pretty quickly wipe out the organisms on the earth given that. So it seems as though there was a sort of overproduction instituted, and this is probably where things like thorns and thistles come from as well. More offspring would need to actually be produced in the animal world and plant world and human world than would be necessary to survive. 
And this probably also explains the uh, extra work that men had to do after the fall to get rid of, again, the weeds and other sort of plants that were overproducing and competing with the uh, desired food crops. Now, the next one here is natural selection, okay? God created organisms to survive, of course, not just before the fall, but through changes in the earth that he knew would follow after the fall, okay? So this mechanism of natural selection is, of course, what we know is the struggle for limited resources in life. It's it's the, the most, you know, fit tend to survive. Now, in, in creationism, natural selection is this process actually created by God to maintain his, his creatures through the changes on earth that follow the fall. It's not nature red in tooth and claw in the evolutionary sense of things, okay? It's, there has to be a way to survive. And, and fundamentally, natural selection is really tautological, right? It's, it's, it's the, the, only the fittest survive. Only those that were most able to adapt to their uh, environment would survive. And this is actually a grace of God, okay? Rather than looking at it as something that is evidence for evolution, which some tend to do, I think actually we can look at it as a, as a grace of God. It is God's response to the fall, to the sin of man, and to the, to, to the fall and degradation of the earth. God provides this grace of natural selection to allow some organisms and some humans to be able to thrive and uh, survive where others cannot. So it's actually more of a grace of God than it is something that supports evolutionary theory. We've already talked about thorns a little bit, of course, with, you know, disease and thorns and overproduction. These things needed to be protected, right? This is, again, a, a grace in a sense. It's a defense mechanism for plants. And there's other defense mechanisms in plants. For example, you know, broccoli and, and some of the toxins in, in other forms of plants have been shown to be very harmful for people and, and animals who consume them. And uh, this is why, right? This is part of these natural defense mechanisms that they would need in order to survive. It's all part of the natural selection equation. And these are things that, again, are given by God as a way to be able to actually live and, and, and fight through life, in a sense, in the fallen world, rather than the fallen world simply wiping everybody out and it, it, being, it being over with. Now, of course, we know that God did decide to do that temporarily in the flood, but then, of course, in his grace, again, he preserved Noah and a new generation was allowed to live, and, and God promised that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, you know, everything's going to be consistent. He's not going to destroy the world again with the flood etc. We do know a final judgment is coming, but that's why Jesus was sent, right? Jesus, and his, he's our gracious Savior, and he provides the ultimate protection, the ultimate redemption of our sin, and of course, the, the ultimate life in him, with him, through him, for all eternity. And for that, we should be ever more uh, grateful. Then moving on, uh, we have one more thing here, and that is carnivory, okay? Of course, because of the changes that took place, animals were at risk of being wiped out by disease, unless some mechanism, ironically, was introduced to protect them. And this is where Wise says the eating of flesh or carnivory seems to actually fulfill that function. And I'll quote him here. Since carnivores tend to eat the slower prey, diseased and young organisms are often the ones most often eaten. This increases the fitness of the entire population. As awful as animals eating other animals seems to be, it is providential in a world where disease reigns, end quote. Really incredible how these things, which are, it's, it's kind of odd to think about them being built into creation and that being something that was part of God's good world, God's good order. It does seem that these are things that given a, a 
I'll, I'll just use the term perfect creation, given a perfect creation and then humans messing it up and sin being introduced. Many of these same things can actually be viewed as a grace of God to be able to adapt and, and persevere in his world. So to sort of summarize everything here, the fall of man, right? God institutes these pretty basic instructions for how to essentially get along with him for how humans could commune with him. They transgress that, as you know. The fall is introduced and disease, bloodshed, carnivory, thorns, all of these things are introduced into the world and really through the idea of genetic mutation. Genetic uh, genetic mutation and degradation. This is how in the early the ages of the patriarchs we can see people living for hundreds of years. You know, today average life expectancy is, you know, on the order of 80 years old, something like that, right? Over time, this causes problems for us, but but God gave us in his grace these different tools and mechanisms that we can use to to survive and thrive in his world. And ultimately, the reason for these things is because if we can live and come to know our Savior, right, we are given a chance in this life to 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 accept our Savior, to throw ourselves upon Jesus and his crucifixion and his sacrifice on the cross and therefore spend eternity in heaven. It is because of God's grace that we have been allowed to live to even have this opportunity. And the irony is that this grace, is part of the mechanism through which it has been provided is the genetic mutations introduced in the fall and natural selection and overproduction and all these concepts that we have discussed. It's really amazing. And it, it, it sort of speaks even more truly to all over the New Testament we have just how everything, right? We can give thanks in everything. Everything is for the glory of God. Revelation 4.11 talks about even the very creation itself was, was part of giving glory to God. When we recognize that everything is all God's, right? He owns it all. We're merely stewards of the earth. We're, we're stewards of our bodies. We're steward of, stewards of our finances. We're stewards of our children. When we finally realize, right, that, that it's not ours, right, that everything that we have in life is a grace of God, we can finally give him the glory for it. And uh, we can, again, like I mentioned, throw ourselves upon him, throw ourselves into his arms. And, and give him the glory that he deserves, and he will uh, return to us salvation, and he will give us redemption. All right? God bless you. I hope this has helped you a little bit. I mean, again, this is not a, a way of typically thinking about genetic, you know, mutations and, and things, but but this is the importance of looking at the biological world, looking at the natural world, and redeeming this and everything for the glory of God. God bless. Can't wait to talk to you next time on the Bible Nerd Podcast. I hope you guys have a fantastic week.